0: So if you remember last week, Pastor Theo um, taught on the story of the prodigal son. And in that parable, you have the two brothers who had very different and opposing philosophies towards life. Before the prodigal son had repented, he wasted his life while his, older, while his other brother spent his life as a faithful drudge. It was someone who looked at his faith as something that was menial or some monotonous task that had to be done. Now both attitudes here are wrong. The approach for believers is one that invest their lives in ways that benefit others and bring glory to God. Today's passage continues by looking at the topic of stewardship. An article in the New York Times defines money as an article which may be used as a universal passport to everywhere except heaven and as a universal provider for everything Accept happiness. As we have worked our way and continue to work our way through the Gospel of Luke, we can see that Jesus speaks quite a bit on material wealth and how we have to be careful in the role we allow it to play in our lives. Now, Jesus wasn't blind to the poor and hungry people that were all around him as he traveled throughout his ministry. Most of the people that he taught were considered poor. They had the mindset that, getting more money and getting more wealth would solve all of their problems. And Jesus was flipping the script and teaching the opposite. He was saying that regardless of the amount of money you had, give to those who don't have anything. And the early church was really good at practicing this for the most part. They were considered a fellowship of people who willingly shared their possessions with those who were less fortunate. In chapter 16 of Luke, we'll look at how it focuses in on a truth that stewardship and that life is a stewardship and that we need to use what God has given us faithfully. For one day, we'll give an account for how we used what we were given. And a final thing to make note of is that when looking at this text, that neither Jesus or Luke, the author, reference it as a parable. But whether it really happened or whether it was a parable, it doesn't matter. The important lesson is the lesson behind it is that we take that to heart. I think it's also important for us to know what a steward is. It's not really a word we use in our day-to-day vocabulary, especially here in the States. When you hear steward, many of us think of a flight attendant or someone that does a certain job or a similar job like that. But during the time this was written, a steward was someone who managed somebody else's wealth. It's a person that doesn't own his own wealth, but has the privilege of enjoying wealth and using it to profit someone else, such as a master or an owner. So basically, during this time, if you had any kind of wealth, the thing you would do is find someone you thought was trustworthy, let them have all your money, and tell them to take care of it. And it was a pretty good deal. The owner of the wealth didn't have to worry about it. They had someone else managing it, taking care of it for them, so they could just focus on other things. And then if you're the steward, I mean, you get all this wealth, no strings attached, as long as you're investing it, as long as you're using it to benefit the owner. The crucial thing for this agreement to work is that the steward must always remember the money they have does not belong to them, but to the owner. Once they forget that, this whole deal breaks apart. So the steward in today's text failed to remember this. He started to act as if he was the owner of the wealth he possessed. Essentially, he became a prodigal steward, and much like the prodigal son from last week, he began to spend and waste his master's money rather than invest it. When his master learned of this, he did what anyone would do when they find out someone's been wasting their money. He asked for an inventory of all the goods he had. He wanted an audit of the books. Now, when you think about the IRS, an audit usually strikes fear into you. So that's what this steward had to do. He was having an audit of all the money he was responsible for. An owner also would very quickly proceed to fire the steward from the position that he held. The steward started to believe that the money was his and that he could spend it as he wanted rather than his master's. He made that grave mistake of forgetting he was not the owner. Now, it's easy for us to look at this guy and say, what in the world was he thinking? Obviously, he was in the wrong, and obviously, he would get caught. He deserves to lose his job, and if not more. I mean, he had everything coming that he deserved. Now, while all these things might be true, I want to take some time this morning and look at our own lives. I want to look at how well have we been stewarding what God has been giving us. So we're going to look at several key things that God gives us or blesses us with that we're called to be stewards of. The first one, and my first point this morning, is that we are stewards of our material wealth. Similar to the story in the text, we are stewards of money. Whether it be a little or a lot, we have a responsibility to steward it well in our time here on earth. But Christian stewardship goes well beyond simply tithing 10% to God and using the other 90% as we please. True stewardship means that we are thankful for all God has given us and that we are consistently acknowledging that all the wealth we have comes from Him and it belongs to Him. And in turn, we use it as He directs us to. You see, giving 10% of our income to tithe is a great way to start faithful stewardship but we need to remember that God controls that other 90 as well. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to give every penny we own to tithe. We all have expenses. We all have bills. Hence the reason God has given us these finances in the first place. What I mean is allowing God to control the other 90% is to have a mindset change where you acknowledge that everything you have comes from God and that you are simply a caretaker of what is his. When you think about your financial wealth, how are you leveraging it for the kingdom of God? What ways can you use what God has given you to bless others in his name? What would it look like for you to set up a budget line in your budget that has a sole purpose of blessing others? What would it look like for you to pay for someone's gas or groceries or buying Christmas gifts for a family that can't afford them at Christmas time? What would it look like for you to order food for someone who's going through a discouraging time that can use the encouragement? Recovering someone's utility bills who are on the verge of getting disconnected? These are just all examples, but the opportunities are endless. When we give generously, we are being a blessing to others in the name of God. We will also be blessed as we see how God is using us to bless others and we will be good stewards of the wealth that God has given us by investing all the things we have in things that will have have a kingdom impact. Money or wealth is simply a tool that God has given us. We can be the master of it, or we can allow it to be the master of us, but we cannot do both. My second point is that we are stewards of our time. The phrase, redeeming time, comes from the business world and means buying up opportunity. Time is simply eternity minted into precious minutes and handed over to us to use either wisely or carelessly. In today's text, as dishonest as the steward was, he knew he had very little time left to take advantage of the opportunity he had. And he took that opportunity and wisely prepared for his future. You see, before he was fired, he knew it was coming, but before he was fired, he called in the people that owed his master debts. He made the first pay 450 gallons of oil instead of the 900, essentially cutting it in half, and the second only 800 bushels instead of 1,000. The steward did these things so that when he was fired, these people that he helped out tremendously would be obligated and more willing to offer him a place to stay. Even the master, who just lost another immense amount of wealth, had to give props to this guy for his shrewdness and for taking care of himself. You see, for the short time, the steward's life switched from being about enjoyment to investment. What investments could he make to protect his future? If only he had learned that earlier, he might still be in that position. If you look at the way we spend our time, you'd be a little surprised. You might be a little surprised. In a lifetime, the average American will spend six months of their life sitting at stoplights. They'll spend eight months opening junk mail. They'll spend one year looking for misplaced objects, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, four years doing housework, five years waiting in line, this one surprised me. Six years eating. I mean, look at that. You've got about 10 years just doing these menial tasks right here. Well, This is all to show how we use our time. The time we've been given is a gift from God. We have done nothing to deserve it, earn it, or purchase it. Just like the air we breathe, time is a part of life. And This gift from God is not ours alone. It's equally been given to each person. Whether rich or poor, educated or uneducated, strong or weak, every man, woman, and child have the same 24 hours each day. Another important element of time is that as much as we may want to, it cannot be stopped or slowed down. Time always marches on. Once it's gone, it's gone. So how are you going to spend your time? A minute ago, I listed off how much time the average American spends doing these various tasks. Now these tasks, as much as we wish they could, can't really be helped. We have to do them. We have to spend time doing them, just like we have to spend time working and doing other tasks. But what do we do with that extra time? Think about it. How much time do you spend with your spouse or significant other focusing on nothing but your relationship? How much time do you spend with your kids one on one, focusing wholly on them? How much time do you spend with God in devotion, prayer, and scripture, and nothing else? How much time do you spend serving others or telling others about Christ? Then think about how much time do you spend wasting on other things? How much time do you spend in front of screens? encourage you to look at your phone at the end of the week and get your screen time report. It might be surprising. But think about where do we spend our time. If you kept a log, just picked one day out of the upcoming week and kept a log of where you spent your time, how much of it would be invested in leaving a lasting impact? We've just started a new year. And in this year, we have 525,600 minutes of which we've already gone through 39,540 of them as of 11 a.m. We've lost another 21 since then. My point being, we've already used up 39,000 minutes of this year. How much of those minutes were used for a kingdom impact? And then a common thing when thinking about time is, I just don't have enough of it. Well, to answer that, Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. What if we changed our mindset to one of that? The steward in our text knew he had a very limited amount of time to act and secure his future. And instead of wasting it, he took action and invested it so that he would have a place to stay. Time is a gift from God. It continues to move on regardless of how we spend it. So again, how are you spending this gift? My third point is that we are stewards of the gifts and abilities that God has given us. 1 Peter 4.10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has given us these gifts so that we can use them to serve others, to serve him and serve others in his name. The thief says, what's yours is mine. I'll take it. The selfish man says, what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. But the Christian says, what's mine is a gift from God. I'll share it. So what is your spiritual gift or ability that God has given you? Oftentimes, the hardest part about thinking about these things is you simply don't know what yours is, or you think you're one of those people who don't have a spiritual gift. And this is oftentimes the hardest part. And if this is you, I encourage you to take some time and read about spiritual gifts in Scripture. You could spend a whole series talking about them, so I'm not going to dedicate too much time. But you can look in 1 Corinthians 11 through 13, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. Each of these passages talk about spiritual gifts and the importance of using them. But right now, all you need to know is that every single person on this earth God created, with some kind of spiritual gift, some kind of ability, some kind of passion, and you guessed it, God wants us to steward them well. They were not intended for us to keep to ourselves. They were intended to share with others, to encourage those who are down, to meet the needs of those who are hurting, and to show those who are lost how they can be found in Christ. The first part of stewarding our gifts well is, again, if you don't know your gift, to figure out what it is. My final point this morning is that we are stewards of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. God has entrusted us with the treasure of his truth, and we are called to protect it and invest it in the lives of others. In other words, we're called to be faithful stewards of it. In a way, this last point encompasses all the others. Through our material wealth, through our time, through our gifts that God has given us, we can steward all of them faithfully. And when we do, we'll in turn be able to share the gospel through each of these things. When we bless others through random acts of kindness, through a financial gift, through giving them our time, when we use our talents that God has given us, we are opening up opportunities to share the gospel with others who don't know about it, to encourage those who do know about the gospel but are questioning if God might care about them. This is what it comes down to our mission to be good stewards of everything God has given us, to share the gospel with all we encounter, to shine the light of Christ in what is quickly becoming a very dark world. The bottom line this morning is that we must be faithful stewards with what God has given us. The title of this message is, You Cannot Serve Two Masters. The steward in our text tried to. He tried to serve himself by treating his master's wealth like his own, and he tried to serve both his master and himself, and essentially, he lost his position. In each point, we found opposing options. We can choose to be good stewards of our wealth, time, and gifts, or we can allow them to master us. We cannot do both. We must choose which we are going to allow. So what now? Now that we know all about being faithful stewards, what are we supposed to do with it? Well, I'm so glad you guys asked that question. I'm going to answer it, or more importantly, Jesus is going to answer it in verses 9 through 13. The first answer that Jesus gives is also our first application point. Use your opportunity wisely. At some point, as I said, we'll all run out of time to use what God has given us. The steward in today's text was running out of time himself, and he had an opportunity to secure his future. Jesus was not praising the steward for his dishonest actions or his dealings, but he was recognizing that he had an opportunity to secure his future and he took it. In the same way, we need to make sure we are not keeping what God has given us to ourselves, but that we are investing it in others, that we are winning people over for Christ. Our lives and our resources will not last forever, so we need to use them wisely while we have them. We should strive to have the goal of meeting people once again in heaven that are there because of how we invested in them while we were on earth and how we show them hope, and how we show them the love of Christ, and how they can have access to it. The second thing that Jesus says to do in our second application point is to be faithful in the way you use your material wealth. Why does Jesus teach so much on money? Not just here, but all throughout Scripture, we can find Jesus teaching on money. Well, it's because money, whether it be during biblical times or today, can very quickly become a thing of evil. It can, very e- it can become very easy to develop a love or dependence on it and acquiring more. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is why Jesus is focusing so much on money. We can choose to master it and use it in ways that bless others and bring honor to God, or we can let it master us and drive us away from God. Finally, Jesus calls us to to do this, our third and final application point, which is to be wholly devoted to God and single-minded. Again, it's impossible to serve two masters as much as it's impossible to walk in two different directions at the same time. If we choose to serve money or ourselves in how we use our time, our gifts, and our passions, then we cannot serve God. Like the video at the beginning of this message, it's like putting a lid on a bucket and not allowing God into our lives. But if we choose to serve God, then our money, passions, times, and gifts can all be used to serve him as well. It's like ripping that lid off the bucket. We'll be investing in the resources that God has entrusted us rather than wasting them in our lives. I'll close with this quote from Henry Fielding who wrote, Make money, and I would add gifts and time as well, make money your God and it will plague you like the devil. Jesus said, make these things your servant and today's opportunities as investments in tomorrow's dividends. Be a wise steward and invest in God's kingdom. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this morning, God. I thank you for these words that you taught us in Luke, I just ask that you'd help us to think about what it looks like for us to be stewards, God, whatever area of our life that we just acknowledge first and foremost that everything we have belongs to you, God. And I just ask that you'd help us to look at how we can invest our lives to have an eternal impact. In your name I pray, amen.